1: This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. And today I have with me Jim Christopher. Jim is the author of The Utopian Testament, a series of psychological thrillers, which includes two novels so far, Season of Waiting, which is Utopian Testament book one, and Sick as Our Secrets, book two. Jim, welcome.
0: Thank you, Becky. It's good to be here.
1: So I thought it'd be fun to uh, jump in and start off with hearing a little bit more about you and the writing itself. How long have you been writing?
0: So I'll start by saying Season of Waiting was the first book I finished writing. There are lots that I never finished. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can we can add those up.
1: That's the life of a writer, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess that's the way it's supposed to be. You should have a lot more undone than done. But I've been writing stories since I was a kid. And it took me a long time to to figure out how to get past a couple of pages of, uh, of story. And it wasn't until I got older. Well, I won't say how old, but <laughs> it took me a long time to sort of build up the build up the storytelling to a point where I had something the size of a novel to spit out, you know? So, but I mean, it's always been... You know, storytelling has always been kind of a part of life. Tucking my kids in at night and and you know, it's story time, and you know that was always a blast. And you know, or even like stuff I do in my day job around teaching and and you know, learning. That's that's all storytelling too. Yeah, you know, it's all it's all the same psychology. So um, I'm
1: curious did your did your parents make up stories for you when you were kids?
0: Uh, yes, <laughs> not not always. They weren't always fun. <laughs> When I was a really young kid, I was a little rambunctious. And one day I did something. I don't remember what it was, but my mom, my parents were lovely people. I'll, let me just preface yeah. it. By, <laughs> this, but my mom turned to me and said, knock it off or I'll pop your butt. And my dad caught the look that it had of my face was this very confused, like, wait a minute. Like, what is... That makes sense, but I don't know what you mean by that. It's kind of like, and he saw this look on my face. And so he grabbed the opportunity and was like, that's right. That's right, Jim. She's gonna pop your butt. She's gonna go to her sewing kit and pull out a needle and she's gonna she's (laughs) gonna pop your butt like a balloon. And then you'll you'll have to sit crooked for the rest of your life. And I was horrified. (laughs) Yeah. So but yeah, like they, you know, there was there were a ton of uh, usually centered around some kind of humorous attempt at humor, I guess. But yeah, like there was there was a lot of stories uh, in the house growing up.
1: now that you're uh, a novelist as well as uh, you know a a series writing a series mm-hmm. what's your aspiration moving
0: forward? What are your plans? What are my aspirations moving forward? Well, I don't want to stop. Cool. that's good. <laughs> so step, step one. So you know, to be perfectly blunt, I you know I took the binoculars out earlier and I looked ahead, and I'm way closer to retirement than I am to starting a career. So, at this point, I really just want I want something that will ease me into retirement, not from a financial perspective, but more of like a I guess this is what I'm doing now. Uh-huh. It's definitely like now that I've kind of caught the snap of how to get books done. I I'm wish I had started earlier. Like, I wish I had known that 20, 30 years ago. And so, yeah. So, I do have this almost like panic inside me of like lost time. Like, there's a lot of stuff I want to get done. But, but yeah. So, I really just want ease in retirement. Income would be great. But, you know, if it's, if I have to eat out of cans or whatever, I'll I'll do that too. But, you know, this is, this is really just uh, looking to make a pile of books that's going to outlast me you know i think is the way i'm looking at it now <laughs> well you must so. enjoy
1: it or or you wouldn't yes. have that uh, that feeling absolutely yeah, that's great absolutely so is there do you have any sense of like where the stories come from for you like how do they how do they get started where do those inspirations come from
0: yeah so I, I, a lot of it and it's always been this way i mean there's been little incidents or events or Quirks of a personality that kind of stick with me, right? And and so there's these elements of elements of life, or even an, an idea that that kind of, but it's not connected to anything, you know. And and those things kind of pile up, and they I guess they have for a long time. And I, I guess the idea for the story really comes out of like by finding like common traces between those things, like why things are funny, or I, I guess, like another thing that I always kind of love about life and, and observing things as balance, right? Like there's a lot of good things that come out of living your life, a lot of bad things too. And everything's like that, you know, any, any situation you find yourself in, you can find the good or the bad. And, you know, I just, I've always enjoyed kind of pulling apart those, those kind of perspectives and figuring out why someone would view it one way or the other. Like for example, like the season of waiting, for example, the, the nut of that story came out of this incident in high school where like, I was in, I think it was physics class and uh, we weren't talking about physics. We were doing homework and the teacher was just chewing the fat with some of the students. And he mentioned something about like, he he was deaf in one ear and like the main character in Stephen of waiting is, is also deaf in one ear, but he's talking about how he, he was riding his bike to school that day. And, and he had just gone through like a, uh, kind of a, a religious rebirth you know and then kind of had this you know, reconnection with with his spirituality so, but he's he's coming to coming to work and almost got sideswiped by a car and so he's you know freaking out really nervous and he kind of pulls the bike over and stops and and he literally says to himself I, I could have just died and he's he swears he heard in his deaf ear someone say it doesn't matter now does it you know your mind kind of a kind of a thing like it's okay and like that, when I heard that, I remember feeling like chills. Like that would creep me out. <laughs> <Like> if, <laughs> if I was deaf in my ear my whole life. And all of a sudden the voice shows up on me like something's wrong, you yeah. know. But a lot of other folks sitting around the table were like enraptured with this idea of of hearing the voice. And, and you know, what does it mean for me? And so I, like that kind of thing sticks with me. Like, why do I think that that is terrifying and someone else would find it extremely comforting, you know. And that's you know, you pull that apart and you get a story. There's conflict in there. Yeah. You know. You've kind
1: of conjured in my mind this I this picture of you in this sort of like closet or, or room of collection where you gather these <laughs> little experiences and, and characters and then you 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 go in there and start looking at yeah. how they how they fit together. Is that is that like your experience?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, I use, I crochet a lot. Okay? okay. And I use that as a metaphor for a lot of things. Yeah. Like the, just the zen of each stitch coming after the next mm-hmm. one, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of times the story is the same way. It's, it's pulling together the pieces and then, then stitching it together and having the common thread. Yeah. Uh, make the story come together.
1: So tell, tell me a little bit about the, the significance of the titles. Season of Waiting and Sick as Our Secrets.
0: I spent a lot of time thinking about these and I probably spent too much time I was looking for something that sounded that sounded like a thriller, you know, like like when you read it it had that punchy kind of whatever. Didn't really land on that, I don't think. But what I did find was like I was I was looking for something for Season of Waiting for I was looking for something that sort of captured this notion of you know folks who like the main character who's kind of waiting for his purpose to be revealed. Right. And I've heard this kind of expression before. There's a lot of, you know, you know, folks who are really, like, they feel like God has a plan for them and they're just sort of waiting for the plan to show up, you know? And then I ended up, I found that there is actually a grace for that. Um, and that, that, you know, folks who are in sort of the spiritual self-help realm, like to call that a season of waiting when you have, you know, like, you, you know, you have a purpose, but you're just sort of, Holding tight until you know the universe or God or whoever you believe in shows it to you, you know, and, and you can take action. Which I've always, again, you know, a lot of people find comfort in that. I I just find that quite disturbing. Like that, you know, like I <laughs> yeah. I you know Why I, I just stuff have to, to do. Wait? Like I, you know, if, <laughs> yeah, like if if I have, if there's a purpose, if I have a purpose and it's predetermined, like wouldn't I be doing it already? Right, yeah, you know, like yeah. wouldn't I be engaged in that? Wouldn't not waiting be be part of that purpose so that's where the, the name came from is kind of like this almost like tongue in cheek very you know the main character can find himself in this in this very stressful and you know time of his life and he's looking back on on what he's built and his estranged children and he doesn't like it and and all of a sudden he gets this chance to like have this huge purpose you know but it, it kind of comes at this huge cost that he doesn't understand yet and it's the same kind of thing you know if, if he just invested his time doing instead of waiting you know he probably wouldn't feel this way when he got to this point in his life so yeah but I, and i like the phrase season of waiting because it does it kind of punches like the like the t- title of his old steven seagal movies you know like out for justice yeah. or <laughs> you know, it's the same kind of thing you know but yeah. uh, you know I, d- I did some testing it doesn't actually resonate the same way it, it actually people find it a little bit flowery so but it's sticking like it's mm-hmm. i'm not changing yeah. it second book uh Because our secrets they uh, uh so that's a uh, it's an expression at least i've where i've heard of it is from addiction and rehabilitation treatment so it's a phrase i can't remember who said it should have looked that up and i can't remember the entire context but but the idea is that that we are only as sick as the secrets that we keep and so this is this idea that honesty is a very good policy and that um uh you know like the and again and, and, and like the book kind of grows off of this whole motif of like, you know, there's secrets you keep from yourself even and and those are the worst ones, you know, if you can't be honest with yourself about, you know, who you are or, or what you want. Yeah. So that's where this comes yeah. from.
1: It's really interesting to me that this that you referenced a few times this this thing about how you look at how many people are reacting to a thing and you have a very different reaction. And I find that really cool thing because it's so much about perspective. Like what is and which is uh Again, I I'm like get really excited about thinking about like well, yeah. if we just shift our perspective a little bit, then the whole world changes, you know. Yeah, big yeah. time. So
0: yeah, yeah, big time. And so literally, the foundation of empathy, in my my opinion, is being able to kind of reframe, reframe a situation from another person's point of view. Right. And uh, yeah, I like I actually I quite enjoy doing that, and trying to understand why you know. Yeah. Uh, why someone reacts the way they do? Yeah,
1: that's very much an actor thing, you know. <laughs> so uh, is we, it? <laughs> we actors do that a lot.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: It's like, well, okay, uh, if I were in that person's shoes, then uh, why am I thinking this
0: way? I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I guess I don't know why it would be any different. So my, my wife has a uh, a theater background as well, and uh, she's she moved into technology a long time ago, but she still carries that with her, and uh, you know, she's she's said similar things. Yeah. So. I think it's taught her a lot of empathy. Cool.
1: Well, let's take a short pause and come right back and continue the conversation. There is nothing like a great book to transport you to new worlds. Here at Pro Audio Voices, we love working on projects that transport the listener. We pay attention to the details, like making sure we have actors that can clearly differentiate the character voices, making for a great listening experience. If you have a book that you would like to get into audio and you're looking for a team with a personalized approach, Pro Audio Voices might be just the right fit. Come visit us at ProAudioVoices.com. All right. So, Jim, what would you like your readers to take away from these stories?
0: I think if I had to sum it up, Becky, I would say... Like, two, there's two things. Yeah. One, I want them to finish the book, like, not be able to put it down and finish the book and, and be, you know, have that like reader exhaustion of, oh, I did it, you know, it's, so I know what the story is now. And then put the book away and then not be able to stop thinking about it. Like, those are the two things that I want. <laughs> so, like, there's the initial punch of the story, but then also, like, you know, these, these parts of the story that stick with them and, and kind of keep coming up and, you know, whether it's a phrase or a situation, or or but but and even even though like to the point where they're kind of like the book is showing up in their headspace when they're like finding themselves having to make an important decision or something. It's, I don't know. Like I know it's kind of a ridiculous thing to to want that kind of impact, but no, I don't think so. But <laughs> well, <Yeah>. good. <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, can you, if you can write that down for me, and I can show that to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Becky says that this is okay.
1: Definitely. <laughs> yeah,
0: thank you. But I mean, because I—that's how I've always experienced good stories, right? The the good ones are the ones that, like, the ones I remember are the ones that that do that for me. And it's it's not always the same thing, you know. It's not a character that stands out. It it might be a phrase in the in the book that, as soon as I read it, it's it's stuck. It's yeah. it. It's not coming out. You know. It's it's sunk into my head. And that's, that's what I'm shooting for, you know, a really good story, but also that second layer of stickiness. Yeah.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the audiobook specifically mm-hmm. and, and the production of these audiobooks. So you chose Scott Allen to be your narrator. Yes. Tell me a little bit more about why you chose Scott.
0: But I guess it's like to put some context around for the listener right now. I guess the, the process was, y'all made it so dirt simple, like... I kind of told you what I wanted, you know, in in a voice, and you delivered like a handful of folks to choose from. Which which sidebar, that's like a huge Dear Diary moment for someone <laughs> like me. To, like, I wrote a chapter, and now it's being read by someone who's like pouring their heart and soul into making it sound amazing, you know. And and say so, yeah, I was just a is a real Dear Diary moment. So yeah, I, I gave him a listen, and it. I mentioned my wife and her theater background. I. I forced her to sit down and listen to it too. She's not a fiction person, but but she did it for me because she loves me. Yeah. And you know she, her theater background was really helpful and and in, in landing on Scott because you know, I was kind of like, well, I like the Gary Sinise part of this guy's voice, and I like this, you know. And she's like, listen to Scott again, and and he was already in like the top two, and and I was, I was listening, and and then you know she's like, do you do you hear it? I'm like, do I hear what? <laughs> like I hear Scott. She's like, no, like he's connecting with the scene, and. It took me a couple of tries to kind of process what she was saying, but now that we've kind of gone through the whole rigmarole and and I'm I'm hearing what Scott's produced was what he's produced, I know exactly what my wife was saying. So it's just amazing. Like someone like Scott who can you know they takes this book that's coming from different points of view. You know, every ch- every chapter kind of moves around into a different person's head without dialogue without a character voice just the way he's talking through the prose you can tell who it is right and and that is amazing to me like i i would not know where to start doing that how to develop that skill and and it was like and like that kind of magic was everywhere in in what scott was was producing and you know everything from the like the way that he you know like the the different cadences that he would use to kind of pace you know his way through a narrative is exactly the way it sounds in my head, you know, and so that was a really good marriage there, yeah, and then you know, once I met him, which was hilarious, that was a hilarious, not hilarious haha, I guess, but very coincidental, like we both have day jobs and we we work for competitors,
1: oh, that's so funny, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh which I which I just think that's hilarious, but you know, once I once I met him and and you know, he was just really he's down to earth and he did, he connected with the story he knew, yeah, he was invested in it. And you know, so it was just like it was a and again, like as an independent author, that's just huge. Yeah. You know, you talk about a story sticking when like that's that's what I mean. So, yeah. Yeah, but
1: that's great. So, w- what would you say like what about the audiobook production process stands out to you the most, or in addition to the the casting, perhaps?
0: I mean, there's, I'm having trouble choosing. Like, if you're wondering why I'm pausing, it's because I'm having trouble choosing. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like, I remember getting okay. Here's here here it is. So, like, when you write a novel, or at least when I do when I when I use novels, there's there's a layer of control that I have over what goes on the page, right? And then. You know you're knowingly giving up some of that control when you hand it off to to an author. It's why we have auditions and we, you know, try to feel comfortable with each other. But I wrote the story. Okay. I wrote this story. I know it word for word. I've edited it so many times. It got to the point, like doing the the proofs of of Scott's reading. I had to stop listening for proofs so I could hear the story and like get to the next part. And I wrote it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like how like I know it's gonna happen. Yeah. Like I wrote this story and yet I I can't not get engaged with with the storytelling that Scott's putting, you know, putting behind everything. It's, and that was like that pleased me to no end, right? Because that that tells me like Scott's doing a great job. The story's really good. Like I've heard it, I wrote it, and I still want to know what happens. Right. You Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, that was uh, so cool.
0: Yeah. So that was that was a real, yeah, that was a real humdinger. Uh, I had to laugh at myself for that one. But uh <laughs> But honestly, I think there like there are certain passages in the book that were super important to me. Like not not in any, you know, like I want them read right a certain way or anything. I, I trusted Scott with all of that. But just like his delivery, he knew exactly what like just and you just get those chills or that creep up your spine, you know, and, and it's it's all just right there. And so it's almost like you're experiencing the story like as the reader would, mm-hmm. you know. And sort of like you, you lose that a little bit when you're when you're an author. You kind of, you know, all the secrets that are in there. You know, you know where all you can shine the light in all the corners, but the reader can't. Yeah, you know, without your help. But, but Scott kind of brought some of that magic back. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, the story. you know, it
1: makes me think of, you know, are the the oral storytelling traditions that we have are are built on the the telling and retelling and retelling and retelling of the same story. You know, and yet yeah, it'll modify a little bit here and there. But the stories are powerful, you know. And I think they are. that's that's a little bit of what we get a taste of here in the, the experience of having your story that you know well being told, yeah, by a good story, great storyteller. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how can our listeners learn more about you and about your stories? What's the what's your website or the best place for them to? Stay engaged with what's happening in, in your writing world.
0: Well, yes, I would say go, go to my website, which is jimwritesbooks.com. And that's where I'm posting updates. And And there's links to all the other ways that I keep people up to date in there, too. So there's a mailing list you can subscribe to and get free stuff. Right. Facebook groups and Twitter and whatever. But that's probably the easiest way. Yeah. I'm trying to ramp up, you know, enter this realm... I enjoy this 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 part of my life in the middle of COVID, right? So, I haven't left my house as a writer yet, really. So, like, there's conferences and stuff, and I'd love to, I'd love to start going to those, but I haven't even, like, I don't even know which one, yeah, (laughs) even know which ones are out there, and you know, I haven't done any of that homework yet, so. Hoping, hoping that happens in 2023, but uh, yeah. we'll see.
1: See, it used to be that uh, writers would be hermits just naturally, and the rest of the world yeah. was out there doing things. And now it's like, uh, you know, we writers we're just like everybody else. We're yeah. all, <laughs> yeah. hermited yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> <Right.
0: laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it, uh, it's it's going to make for some boring stories out of me, but I, <laughs> I can't get out of my yeah, house. Yeah, well, we're all hoping to I'll get start out. Watching right? other people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right.
1: Right. Well, Jim, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me. This is, again, Jim Christopher, author of the Utopian Testament series, two books so far, Season of Waiting, Book One, and Sick as Our Secrets. Jim, thanks so much. Thank you, Becky. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com.